National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. Alicia's the executive director of NAVA, and this is kind of one of those long overdue conversations. It is. I'm sitting here with Jeremy Smith from the Australia Council. Hello. Hello, Esther. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's lovely to be here, and um, and as you say, finally lovely to have this chat. I know because yeah. so we've known each other for a long, long time. Absolutely. But we've known each other in the different capacities of these jobs that we've had, that and we I have. Yeah, we kind of we, we inherit mm. organisations, mm. mm. but then in parallel we have our own practice. Absolutely. But also our own. Um, if I can put it this strongly, our own ethics and our mm. own values mm. and how we bring mm. those to the mm. jobs that we do. Mm. And you're someone for whom that's really oh. important. Yes, absolutely. I admire you. Yes, absolutely. No, um, it's, I've sort of been one that has never tried to put too much thought or planning into my future career. I've just sort of been always seized the moment when something came up and I thought it might be um, something of interest or that, as you say, aligns to my own values. I've sort of followed it and, and thought it would be a good opportunity, which ultimately brought me two and a half years ago to Sydney. Yeah. You know, that's such a good way of putting it because mm. I remember years ago I used to, um, and a lot of colleagues, you know, we sort of, we, we, we use that language at mm. different stages in mm. our work or our careers of, you know, like I found myself in mm. this position mm. or um, the, the, you know, the, the, the luck of something. Mm. And it's, the older we get, mm. uh, so, you know, we're still well, both we're still chickens, but <laughs> chickens, but younger. No, but that's right. But yeah. And the more kind of scope for reflection we have, yeah. we really do come to realise that those decisions that we make are grounded in, in those ethics Absolutely. And, and those Absolutely. values. And, and that, that things uh, serendipitous a lot of the time and yeah. turn into really remarkable and profound experiences. Yeah, yeah mm. very much yeah. so. Yeah. And one of those, um, I guess, ethics is around, I guess, the the value of experimental practice. Correct, yeah. And not just in terms of its, um, it, it, its value to mm. art form and mm. discipline mm. and to, you know, kind of career trajectory, mm. but its value as, I guess, um, a, a comportment to life. Absolutely, yeah, you know, definitely. The way that we approach things. Mm. What mm. does it mean to you? Look, I mean, I think, I mean, I think I've got you know, bias opinion, but one of the best jobs in the Australia Council. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, um, tell us the official title. The official title, God, deep breath, it's the Arts Practice Director for Community, Emerging and Experimental Arts. Mm. And so um, I essentially oversee our relationship with the Community Arts and Cultural Development, or CACD, sector, and the Emerging and Experimental Arts, or EEA, sector, as we sort of say in our grants programs, and <laughs> the world that is government that is full of acronym. Um, <laughs> But back to your question, I mean, I think um, what council badges, and that's a, a, a sort of, I think, an important pretext, is that 
council, I think, is the only one that has this sort of notion of an exper emerging and experimental arts sector. I don't think people outside of the sector identify themselves, oh, yeah, I'm part of Australia's emerging and experimental arts sector. Within that, there's lots of different genres of practice. Yes. So you're either an experimental performance maker or a, a new media artist or, um, or someone that sort of works in socially engaged practice, and then there's a beautiful continuum between all of those areas. So I think that's a really, um, I mean, I sort of was saying to someone just the other day that um, both the CACD and EEA sectors, I think, are the, the vanguards of the sort of exploration of new genres and new aesthetics within artistic practice and artistic expression. And, um, and I think that's something that really is an exciting part of the Australian arts ecology to watch in the as, the as we move into the future. Mm. Actually, that's a great way of putting it around exploration because mm. there's, um, as you say, there are, there are terms and acronyms that mm. are used mm. in the sort mm. of, you know, mm. the, the formalities of the grant world yeah. because, you know, it's important to structure the way that artists can access Absolutely. things. Absolutely, that's right, know, yeah. And, and, and be clear and, yeah. and all of that. But then there's, um, you know, the way that we... Um, consider different mm. genres or subgenres, and then we see them, you know, adjacent mm. to one another. Mm. Um, so obviously, you know, not all CACD practice is experimental. And no, not all exactly. Experimental that's right. practice is uh, yeah. community immersed. And but that's that the exploration. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's the thing is that there's a remit for council to support experimental practice across all of its areas of, yeah. of art forms, be it music, visual arts, dance, theatre, literature or whatnot. But I guess within uh, specifically the emerging experimental arts um, cohort of projects that we support is that sort of pushing of boundaries and, and really sort of like that sort of propensity to take measured risk or sometimes not even measured risk just to sort of have a go and, and the fact that failure is not seen as a bad thing because you've had a really good um, go at exploring a new hybrid form of practice or expression that um, is something that's really exciting. That notion of failure, you know, mm. when I think about, like in in an experimental context, you know, obviously there's, you mm. know, mm. Um, there is the testing, there's the mm. fail and fail mm. again and mm. fail faster and take that yeah. time and mm. iterate and reiterate. Mm. And then sometimes um, in certain um, conversations or, you know, uh, fields, um, Failure is sometimes contrasted with excellence. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. But in um, in CACD practice, mm, mm, mm. Um, the opposite of excellence mm. um, isn't failure, and the opposite mm. of failure isn't excellence, mm. but also mm. there is work that happens around exploration, absolutely. which isn't necessarily about, you know, even the creation of the no, finished No, that's work. right, absolutely, absolutely. It's the, I guess, the artistry of um, self-determination and, and co-creation. Um, in a CACD context, it's how you can sort of work with a community to help it, um, and the community can be such a sort of broad um, cross-section of be it a group of people, a, a geographic location, people from a certain background, or, or people who identify as those, uh, the community people with a disability or whatever, but um, having that sort of um, propensity to be able to go in and help that community to realise its own artistic ambitions is itself uh, an art form and as you say isn't necessarily about developing a, a whiz-bang outcome but it's just the process which is the artistry as well and just making sure that that sort of um, 
I guess, and that's the sort of whole thing that I used. I was on the Community Partnerships Committee in the old um, structure of the Australia Council and and something that I used to always sort of bang on about the peers, the other peers used to hate me, um, <laughs> was I guess that context of innovation as well because that was sort of a buzzword back in that time about, yeah. you know, some, it could be the community's first attempt at trying to sort of do an artistic project and so something for that, the context of innovation in that is something very different to an established um, community of art makers and arts practitioners, I guess. Mm. This is one thing that dazzled mm. me about mm. the Small Town Transformations project yeah. in Victoria, mm. uh, which... Um, uh, in Artlands just recently mm. we saw a couple of sessions about the mm. culmination of those and just hearing people describe what it has meant to mm. have a first time mm. engagement with the arts. Absolutely. And then some weeks before that I was in uh, Melbourne and saw the State of the Union exhibition at the ah, yeah. Potter Centre. Did mm. you get to see mm. that? Very briefly because I was going upstairs to see the Liquid Architecture yes. um, yeah, eavesdropping ex exhibition but I did get a chance to look at the yeah, the um, the other exhibition as well, the State of the Union, amazing. Mm. That was remarkable mm. uh, just to see that history of um, you know artists organising mm. and you know and, and coming together for all those different um, and you know incredibly important mm. projects mm. and actions mm. and so on. Yep. But something that I saw that um, I hadn't been aware of before was um, you know you were saying earlier CAC practice very much about you know like identifying you know mm. what are these kinds of communities mm. Like, mm. a community can be so many different mm. things. And I had never known that uh, in the 80s, it must have been, the Australia Council worked on projects um, on a CACD kind of model that was specifically for workers. Oh, correct, and yeah. And worked with mm, unions mm, in, in different mm, ways. Mm. And, mm. Um, you know, workplaces in the sort of, you know, pre... Um, you know, that enormous uh, Hawke-Keating mm. restructure where we've got, you know, far fewer manufacturing jobs yeah. than mm. we have now. Mm. Um, but that conversation in the, you know, the 60s and 70s and 80s mm. have been very much around, um, you know, a, a, a big, you know, defined community in Absolutely. Australia was workers, particularly workers yeah. in, in mm. factories, workers mm. in jobs where we don't necessarily have that opportunity to kind mm. of, you know, I guess... Uh, actualize that yep. sense of um, how you identify mm. um, with a particular kind of job. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that's more and more we're seeing CACD be used for, not just an outcome but a process. And that could be, you know, helping um, engage, you know, within an arts context, um, engage, uh, say, for instance, a performing arts centre in a regional community trying to, I guess, decolonise its own sort of structure and behaviours and welcome First Nations communities into that, trying to get uh, to working with main stage companies to change the content of what the material is that we're seeing on stages. And so CACD has been a very central process to a lot of those sorts of things that a lot of um, is changing content and approaches and, um, and I guess, attitudes more broadly. Mm. Oh, God, that's massive. Mm. That's mm. so mm. massive. Because, mm. yeah, you know, I was saying that in that exhibition thinking, you know, uh, in that time in Australia and around the world where mm. you could define uh, a group of people mm. working in factories, etc., mm. uh, with that with that notion of, well, an artistic project might mm. be, you know, um, a really interesting intervention because, you know, kind of imagining that mm. people are, are in a working situation mm. where there's an alienation yep. um, and, and repetitive work. Mm. And yet today uh, we have so many jobs that yeah. are kind of, you know, dressed up as being, yep. you know, quite fabulous and super exactly. which are equally as alienating. Equally. <laughs> um, and, but we don't um, as readily mm. identify workers as yep. as a group. As a group, yeah. Um, 
and yet, um, exactly as you just put it, that, that notion of decolonising mm. by which, you know, I understand the, at, well, an ongoing process, but also, you know, at the very outset, even just identifying what the values are Absolutely. that we mm. are purporting to impose upon yep. people as a, as a mode of interaction with Absolutely. Us. And even beginning by just asking a question, yeah. you know, in the context of a venue, why don't you feel welcome coming here or what would make you you feel welcome coming here, that sort yeah. of thing, you know, and then sort of beginning a conversation in the process beyond that, yeah. Yeah, mm. which is massive and important mm. and should mm. be kind of, you know, like day one, should mm. be absolutely. ongoing. Absolutely, absolutely, but when you've got so many years of different structures and, and whatever, yeah. it's sort of, yeah, exactly, as we're all sort of realising now and very important that we are, yeah. Oh, hugely. Mm, mm, it's mm. kind of a, it's what I often describe as the uh, put your hand up up the back if you can't hear me exactly, conversation. That's right. Like, yep. you know, you mm. don't know what you... Yep. There was that great session at um, the Diversity Arts Australia Beyond Tick Boxes mm -hmm. um, sort of reflect back event that happened yep. a couple of weeks ago, like putting out their action agenda, which sounds really fantastic. Yeah, amazing. Um, mm. But that kind of, you know, being conscious of unconscious mm. bias. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and what are the things that, that trigger that? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's the thing. It's this, and a lot of people talk about this. There's a whole new movement around that notion of privilege now as well and everything yeah. and what that means and how to unpick that. And, um, and as you say, completely sort of, I guess, um, I sort of, you know, in my own words, put a lot of thought into empathy as well about sort of placing yourself in another's shoes um, because I've sort of tried to sort of get a lot of people to think that way about me and my physicality. Um, so that's one thing that I sort of think about, you know, when I'm sort of thinking about my role at the Australia Council and how I can sort of ensure that the, the two sectors that I work most closely, closely with can um, remain current and, and support. Um, tomorrow's artists or those that feel excluded is that you think about that sort of um, what could I be doing in someone else's shoes to be able to make someone like me in my position um, make step changes to be able to make the art sector a more accessible, better, relevant place. Mm. And those conversations can mm. seem so terrifying for people who aren't used to having them. But Absolutely. as you say, yeah. it's kind of, it really is that, mm. that, that fundamental mm. Mm. of mm. empathy mm. and yeah. humanity. Mm. 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 Yep. Yeah. I mean, I studied at WAPA, um, mm. so I went straight out of school and did lighting design. And then um, when I left, Perth was quite a um, small place still at that stage. So that was the late 90s. And um, it's funny, I sort of, a lot of the, I did a couple of main stage works as a, as a lighting designer, but started working more in the independent sector over there as a lighting designer and doing a lot more experimental work. So I guess that's when, um, when I applied for this job at the Australia Council, I cast my mind back to then and that's when I sort of first thought, oh, actually that's when I guess something began for me in terms of a, an affinity to, that, to, to this area of practice. Um, worked in festivals and um, as a stage manager, production manager and a really transformative moment for me was receiving a Young People on the Arts Fellowship in 2000, which um, at the time I was working with the Awesome Festival over in WA. Oh, and yes. that allowed me to go over to Vancouver and do a, a placement for six months with the Vancouver Children's Festival. How 
Oh, really? Yeah, amazing, which at that stage was probably the, the sort of mecca for, for children's festivals in, in North America. And um, worked with them on a series of outreach projects because that was the whole thing that I wanted to, um, that I put forward in my fellowship proposal was um, making a transition from a, a techie, as we were known in those days, to an arts administrator, an arts manager, and actually a, a producer eventually. Um, which was great, so then I came back and, and awesome offered me a, um, a full-time role um, to start, or oh, sorry, to just continue the work of a, a program that's now known the, as the Creative Challenge, which is a sort of mini festival program with 10 regional, rural and remote communities across Western Australia. Um, and that's basically working with um, uh, children and young people in those locations to sort of explore through um, arts residencies, issues of identity, of place, of um, expression and um, and secrets and stories and histories of those locations to develop a local celebration and bring elements of those back to the awesome festival in the Perth CBD. And that was sort of, I guess, my beginning of, of engagement too then with um, CACD practice at that yeah. stage. Um, and then I've had sort of quite a meandering um, journey from there on where I went into um, what was then called Arts WA as the... Um, State Community Regional Arts Development Officer, so um, had a bit of a big brief, with, and that's where I really that's started enormous. getting a, a very um, beautiful um, appreciation of, of the depth of what happens within our regional communities as well. So um, that was a really profound and, um, and significant role for me to have. Had a couple of other sort of positions through that time and then ended up at Data over in WA. Um, where again I sort of was the regional arts and health manager and, and worked extensively with communities in the Kimberley region. So we had programs running in Broome and Fitzroy Crossing with um, remote First Nation communities as well as um, helping to sort of develop inclusion strategies for people in those communities who identified as having a disability. Um, and that's still one of the most um, remarkable um, projects that I've had the, the absolute privilege to be a part of. We also worked in the southwest of WA um, and then uh, began a new relationship in Esperance, which was around mental health in that setting. And then things took a bit of a, a going back to what I said earlier on, um, I was managing a partnership that was in place with Rio Tinto and I actually was tapped on the shoulder and asked to go in and and relook at their community investment strategy. And so, oh, um, yeah, so I had a five year stint um, in Rio Tinto. Um, looking at that, where we were setting up partnerships across the areas of uh, culture, um, the environment, education and health, um, but then maintain an artistic practice outside of that and then two and a half years ago moved to Sydney through this opportunity at the Australia Council. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a wild ride, I should say. <laughs> the wild west and then exactly and that's right yeah the wafia <laughs> um and then yeah so uh, and since coming to the australia council it's been a, a, a real remarkable uh, two and a half years it's gone so quickly um really yeah absolutely um and it is a new role and so i think myself have uh, council and myself together have been exploring what that means of combining these two portfolios into one position but then maintaining um separate obviously um you know, panels and, and, and funded organisation cohorts and whatnot around each of those. So, yeah, and then the last five weeks have just been an incredible journey too in themselves. I've covered some 
several thousand kilometres, I think, of travel, <laughs> seeing some great things, which has been great. Mm. Oh, goodness me. Mm. And yes, likewise. Mm. And I mean, the Australia Council would have been hard-pressed to find anyone with your uh, breadth and depth of engagement for this kind of role. But tell me, you just said when you went uh, in the years at Rio Tinto, um, also um, uh, exploring your parallel mm. practice. Mm. Tell me mm. more about that. My practice? Um, it's more been, um, I've seen myself more, I mean, I've never been a maker per se, I don't think, uh, well, one that would identify as such. Um, I always pursued through school, printmaking was actually something that I did right through um, school and continued doing um, university and even a few years after that as well, actually. Um, but um, lighting has always been my sort of love. Um, unfortunately, I don't do nearly as much as, it, as of of it nowadays there's what I would wish to. I was always very old school in the sense that I would always hand draw my plans. I never used moving lights so technology sort of got away from me a bit. <laughs> um, but outside of that always um, I guess kept that techie side of myself alive where I was a volunteer as the operations manager on TEDx Perth and, um, and, and sort of uh, worked with a few sort of um, mates back in Perth as just sort of as a more of a producer I guess to help sort of them through that network of um, logistics and, and whatnot when you're a small independent maker um, yeah. trying to yeah exactly produce your own self-produce so yeah yeah that was sort of more my sort of thing. Yeah we still mm. got that notion of self-producing a lot when I was mm. at Melbourne Fringe mm. and the mm. you know the importance of working with a producer yeah. mm. and and uh, but I'm just intrigued by the way you described you know drawing um, uh, those uh, those the, those those plans mm. and that of course yeah. is very much a kind of thinking mm, um, mm, and mm, it, it mm. makes possible yeah um, yeah a number of things yeah I've always been very tactile <laughs> <laughs> and so I used to take that great rigor in, in sort of self drawing those I had like an old school drawing board in my bedroom oh. when I was still living with my parents and and that moved with me when I first moved out of home and yeah had all the old tools of the big rulers and the markers and the pens and the templates and everything like that and yeah you know the scale rulers and everything and yeah I think that for me was something um, I took you know and uh, bringing a hand-drawn plan into sort of a group of techs at a, a, a large venue where they'd all sort of go, my God, you're still hand-drawing. <laughs> that, for me, I found a lot of um, artistry in just doing it that way as well and, and not just sort of going down to a sort of a computer and a CAD program and, mm. and whatnot, so, yeah. Yeah, you kind mm. of like, the, obviously there's so much that the software affords, but yeah. at the same time there's sort of like your, th your thought process in a way Absolutely. that is... You know, and it was a way of familiarising myself with yeah. the design and the actual physicality of it within the rig and then, you know, thinking about the sort of looks that I'd like to get and achieve through the actual, you know, focusing and plotting and whatnot. So it was a very um, laboursome but I found very um, rewarding personal process, yeah. One of the things that has um, never ceased to fascinate me over the last many years has been um, the different techniques that we have for thinking through things mm, and the different mm, techniques mm. that we have for um, constructive disruption, you know, how do we, how do we disrupt the way that we mm. would normally go about thinking about and, 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 and doing something mm. um, and, you know, there's different ways of using our hands, of stepping away from the computer, yep. you know, different kinds of thinking mm. um, and, um, yeah, just the, the, um, the way that you've just described that Set mm. of tools mm. that yeah, I can picture you at that. Everything desk. I know, I was sitting there, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, kind of, you know, how 
that set of frameworks or tools um, that informs Absolutely, how yeah. you think, how you move through. It's a thing around, I mean, for me, I sort of, it goes back to rigour um, and, and I think a way of, um, you know, attention to detail, some might say OCD, but... <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was, and I think that's something that I still sort of carry with me today and through my sort of day work, through everything else in life and whatnot as well, is that sort of um, care, I think, is something as well, which I hold very sort of close to me and not just being sort of uh, quick or, um, you know, um, um, abrasive, I should say. Um, but yeah, that sort of way of sort of like every stroke of the pen was something that would need to be done carefully and considered because if you sort of messed up, you'd be sort of like starting from scratch because yeah. once you've got that outline texture out or... Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's about thinking before, you know, thinking where you're going to put the pen before you actually make contact. So that's sort of a, another sort of true way to the way that I go about my CACD practice mm. as well. Mm. Well, very much so. It's that mm. kind of, you know, measure twice, cut mm. once, and we mm. say preparatory, mm. but mm. also yeah. um, the... You, you talked about that transition from being a, mm. a, a techie mm. uh, or a carny, as we used to yep, call them, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> to um, um, to roles that were administrative, mm. strategic, mm. Um, and that seemed to me is very much about you know you see yourself approach your work in mm. a certain way, mm. and you see yourself wanting to um, establish or create the frameworks. That yes, make exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have always been a creative person, but I've just never sort of pursued that um, on a personal level. I don't think. I mean, you know, the the act of lighting was always the most beautiful moment that I used to love. Was you know, there's all the sort of um, logistics around drawing the design and then rigging it and then focusing it, but then sitting at the plotting desk and actually creating a picture is sort of almost like a, a, a lot of the ways that sort of you look at CACD and indeed experimental practice as well, I guess, where you're sort of doing a lot of the groundwork, finding out what the community wants and sort of doing all the sort of um, framework around something and then sitting down and watching magic happen in front of your eyes when sort of an artist comes to work with that community or they only realise their own true ambitions through um, artistic expression or whatever. So it's a, it's a sort of a, a similar parallel process, I think, yeah. Oh, I just suddenly had that... Um, it, w the way that you put earlier that uh, experimental and CACD being at a vanguard, mm. um, you've just filled it out so beautifully the way you were describing that, that there is something new that emerges. Mm. Uh, mm. And so mm. being mm. in that moment of yeah. um, mm. uh, discovery, exploration, mm. as you mm. put it earlier, mm. but experimental practice for me has always been, I mean, it's, it's fundamental to mm. how I work in my practice, but mm. it's also, it's what tends to animate my mind yeah. mm. the most. That mm. kind of, that impossible to articulate, you know, kind of feeling when you're either experiencing a work uh, or trying to work something out for yourself where there is something happens it's like a change of phase yeah. or state or uh, and it can appear as a sort of a you know a, an, an, an aha kind of moment but it is something that is just qualitatively different um, in your experience of, of, of you know what seemed to be a linear progression yeah yeah um, and that is just yeah, again, that, that, that sense of what can be both terrifying but also... Oh, absolutely. And it's always, you know, I think one of the really interesting things from, from my perspective is sort of seeing how artists and companies and events in this space of experimental practice wish to engage with, um, or dare to engage, I should say, sometimes with audiences. 
and that as an audience member you've got that element of risk and trust and um, unknown a lot of the time as well because it's such a rapidly evolving I mean it, you know I'm so lucky to go to a lot of things but every time I go to something new I always sort of see something um, that I guess pushes another boundary of, of things that I thought previously might not have been possible or you know I've just come back from Perth and saw um, a couple of events as part of um, Symbiotica's um, Unhallowed Arts program. There was the, the oh, wonderful. So yeah, yeah there about. was the um, hyper Prometheus um, exhibition opening at Pika on Friday night, which was amazing. It was such a, a, a group exhibition, which obviously the whole um, concept of the Unhallowed Arts program was celebrating the 200th anniversary of um, the first publication of Frankenstein. And um, but yeah, seeing that sort of huge mass of work um, representing artists from Stellark to Orlan to current practitioners from Australia and abroad. It was such a, a, an amazing array of, of um, practice of artists responding to that theme of what Frankenstein stands for. Um, and just taking over the entire exhibition space at Pika was, mm. was really incredible. And then, you know, seeing for the first time, I've seen a lot of documented work of his both uh, video work and photog photographic work of seeing Stellark perform in the flesh with his stick man um, um, and he doesn't like the word using perform so <laughs> no. but um, he, he becomes part of the artwork and um, and yeah really incredible and then um, uh, Moana down at the Moana project space in Fremantle also hosted um, a couple of exhibitions too which was just equally um, amazing and, and, and again showing a huge um, depth of um, practitioners from their early career to mid-career and really established as well so yeah yeah really amazing so yeah and then you know this last weekend gone we had Unconformity in, in Tasmania which is looking at that whole sort of context of experimental practice in a socially engaged setting and, and urban revitalisation and you know there's obviously live works happening so it's mm. a it's a massive time October for um for um exploring what is great about our experimental art sector in Australia. It mm. really is. Mm. There's just so much mm. tremendous yeah. thinking mm. happening and mm. sort of incredible work. Mm. I'm just reflecting back, we were saying earlier about um, the kinds of um, the kinds of practices that established organisations have that sometimes mm. do need that that, that shift, mm. um, that shift in thinking, mm. and that shift that's um, not just about um, you know perhaps um, embracing. Um, the experimental or uh, mm. engaging further with their own communities, mm. but that is also about um, um, all those ethics and values mm. that, that underlie that challenge to decolonize. Yeah. And that, that, mm. That's a word that I kind of feel um, I feel uncomfortable with, and I um, and yet I, uh, I I keep using it mm. because I feel uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I feel uncomfortable with it because I feel like it's something that. Um, you know, as a non-First Nations person, absolutely. Um, yeah. I want to, you know, hear and learn from others. Yeah. I've been in strange situations where, you know, work has been presented as mm. decolonised. Mm. Like, well, we achieved that, you know, tick, and yeah, then yeah. I just think, well, no, 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 no. There's so much more <laughs> that we. Yeah, exactly. It is a long, ongoing. Mm. It's you know, it's it, it, yeah. it's about like we're saying. Well, it is before. almost as we talked about a value as opposed yeah. to an actual. You know, there are actions, but it's something that you need to remain as central as a, an attitude of value in in terms of. 
um, and not just within um, an artistic or cultural sense, but you know, in every day-to-day stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And mm. at the very, mm. at least the very outset, just being aware that mm. um, you know your institution, if if you are yeah. in one. Mm. Um, doesn't have a default neutrality, no. um, that there are values or expectations that, you know, that, that, that people are expected to engage with you on the, on the mm. basis of. Mm. And then that's about um, culture and diversity, yep. and it's also about gender, yep. and about you know, all of those things that make mm. an organisation either um, open to and reflective yep. of Australian cultural diversity, or very much, um, you know, kind of uh, close to its yep. own particular way of thinking. Yep. Um, and of course, both experimental practice and CACD practice yep. are means yeah. of, of unsettling yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, which means, you know, to, to, um, you know, to, to put it in, in a more provocative way, mm. I mean, should every organisation or even every funded organisation mm. be looking at um, both experimental modes and, and, and ways of thinking and working, mm. as well as um, CACD thinking and CACD modes, yeah. um, so that there really is uh, a rigour of engagement with ethics, Absolutely. with, I with think, community. You know, it goes to that thing that I said earlier about the fact that CACD process being used as a means to sort of shift perceptions, ideals and, and, um, and actions as well. So mm. I think there absolutely is scope for that, you know. Um, you know, the, again, going back to what I said about innovation, I guess, you know, experimentalism also has a very broad trajectory or, um, or, or continuum, I guess. So, you know, diving into the shallow end and sort of like doing small disruptions or step changes or whatever to lead to something that would be more significant and profound, you know, I guess looking at, I mean, something that I always talk about in the diversity space is intersectionality. Um, yeah, because yeah. you know, I think that the, you know the world is full of so many silos. Um, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can, you know, I think, and then exploring what it means. Um, the I guess the ripple effect of diversity. If you are a person, um, you know, recently arrived to Australia, living in a regional community, what does that mean? If you are a person with a disability who is also um, living in a regional community, what does that mean? But then the whole context of you, you know, you add then age and you add gender and you add sexual preference and you add everything into that use is when you can really start looking at some um, significant um, exciting I feel um, opportunities to sort of sort of really um, shift um, approaches to, to not just start making but you know organizational structure and organizational values and oh, all that sort God, of thing yes. as well you know because I think that um, uh, as I said, it's sort of. You, you, I think a lot of people see only the deep end, but there's opportunities for sort of small steps. I mean, some parts of the sector need to take big steps, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think there's um, there's there's a, a, a opportunity for a lot of um, shift. Yeah. Completely agree. You know, it's mm, funny. Mm. Um, I'm sure we've both been in many conversations with mm. good friends, but also with colleagues and organisations mm. who want to make a substantial change. Mm, They'll mm, sort of get mm. to a sort of a wit's end and think, oh, yep. I've just got to make a big change. And often the first thing I say is, well, actually, mm. one of the very best and healthiest mm. things you can do is make a very small change. Absolutely. And lots of small yeah, changes. Yeah, exactly. You know, the cumulative impact. That's how right. You speak yeah, to one another, exactly. How you make decisions, yep. all of that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yep. reminded of something really. Um, wise and, and like incredibly useful at a particular moment that Abdul Abdullah said at mm. Future Forward, which is that what we all need to do is afford one another 
um, the same mm. specificity that we would ourselves. Mm. Like you're saying about silos, yep. but you know, we are each complex and mm. multiple and you know, um, that siloing. Mm. And I think in particular in the current political yep. um, sort of context in mm. Australia where mm. there's, um, um, we've lapsed into mm. some really disappointing short-termism, yeah. uh, some very opportunistic short-termism, yeah, yeah, but yeah, short-termism yeah, yeah, federally, yeah. Mm. Um, and then just refusing to deal with all those huge, Absolutely. huge issues. I think, you know, there's a, a point where people sort of move into a solely reactive phase, which is sometimes really good, but then you can just sort of get stuck there um, yeah. and, and yeah. lose the opportunity to be proactive and, and think about those changes that you'd like to make either, either you know, behaviourally or, 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 you know, what conversations you should be having versus what conversations you are having just because of yes. the here and now. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Especially when we then kind of, you know, uh, leap back out into the broader mainstream, mm. uh, whatever that even means, mm, but also exactly. the broader political context yeah. and those conversations that we sometimes find ourselves in mm. where someone just says, well, why mm. art? Mm. Um, mm. Why are you interested in it? Why should it be publicly funded? Yeah. Um, and you sort of want to, on the one hand, zoom out to these broad kind of statements mm. of value, mm. but then, um, yeah, I find more and more that it's actually about zooming right in and having a very specific The granularity, exactly, not motherhood statements anymore. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's about, you know, it's just that meaningful, what difference can I make here yeah. and now, as opposed to, you know, I think horizon thinking is great. As I said earlier, I'm very much about the here and now and what I can do. Um, to, to sort of make a difference right at this moment and quite often because of the context that we're all working in and operating in and, and practising in that needs to sort of be a lot more of a smaller scale thing to make one little shift which down the track would result in bigger changes. And I see you doing that a lot. I see you in the here and now, and I see people, you know, responding. And I love the questions that, that mm. you pose. Um, and yeah, it's thank been you, great to have a nice chat with you. Likewise, thank you for asking you. me. I know. <laughs> Head to our website, visualarts.net.au, for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations. Thank you.